Welcome to The Big Deal, where we'll unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi, Dion Heyman and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and more. Don't forget to sign up at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Andrew Montessi and we've got the full squad in the studio. AFL legend Warren Treadray is with me, along with sports media veteran Dion Heyman. Welcome, fellas. G'day, Monty. Monty, Dion, how are we? Hey, boys. Yeah, we're all good. Now, Treaders, we're going to be getting into your views on the AFL season ahead. But firstly, you were back in the commentary box this week. Bit rusty, were you, mate? I think I felt like a new recruit, to be honest. I was a work experience kid. I was working on audio and special comments and the whole lot. And to be fair, um, calling the pre-season games, you remember why you didn't enjoy them. <laughs> some of the ugliest football I've seen in quite some time. And I called the Port Adelaide Fremantle game. And, oh, yeah. It's a pre-season game and a trial game for a reason. And we've got, I've got a stark reminder of exactly that. But... It's good fun. I'm looking forward to working with 5AA this year and um, hopefully see some Port Adelaide wins, but geez, it looked ugly yesterday. You've got to remember, everyone's got a different haircut this time of year too than what they finished with last year, so it's very hard to pick up the new blokes uh, quite often this early in the year, Treaders. Oh, absolutely. And also the other bit too that is seriously underrated. It's not only the haircut and the stupid blonde streak through or the change in dye or the new tattoo, it's the tan. The cans, and the, particularly the new numbers, and then and some of these practice jumpers that you know Port Adelaide wore like a white number yesterday. It's like, what? Who is that? Who is that guy? The one guy does stand out though is Jason Horn Francis, their big recruit. He's running with the black boots. Yeah, that's right, black boots. You know, before pre two thousand and four, and he's got black socks pulled up. He actually looks like a weirdo compared to some people because that's what football used to be like. But you know, blokes cut off their socks nowadays. They've got sleeve tattoos. He's got the blonde locks. He looks like he's been ripped straight out of the 80s. Well, mate, I know it was tough for you, but don't underestimate the fact that you've picked up all these podcasting skills. So, you know, come back to radio. Now you're, you're a new man. I'm, you know, I hope the, uh, the producers didn't underrate you because you're pretty talented with the tech. Yeah, oh, exactly. That's what I said. And Craig Munn, my content boss at 5AA, runs the footy program and obviously the station. When I started asking him about broadcast rights, what you get, what you get, how much you're paying, he started looking at me funny. I mean, it was all about the big deal, but um, hopefully we'll get that out of him by the end of the year. But now it's good to be back um, calling footy. Obviously, had a 12-month spell, but um, uh, yeah, just hoping to watch some stuff live and uh, watch some good football. You know, nothing worse than having to call a game that's not a fun one. When it's a good game, it's just an enthralling contest. And sometimes that could be... Uh, against the purists, sometimes a seven versus a nine goal game, but it's hard and tough. It's, it's just as entertaining as a high scoring one with no defence. Well, let's uh, let's get into it, Treaders, and um, talk footy, talk players. Uh, it's, every year's a new year, and there's uh, there's players who've just signed contracts. There's players who are coming out of contract, who, uh, funnily enough, often tend to have very good years when they've got one to go. Um, Who's under the pump this year, do you reckon, guys, um, in terms of, you know, who, who really needs to turn it on this year to set them up, set themselves up for a, a, a good contract, a new, a new deal either at their own club or somewhere else? What do you reckon? 
Well, I guess it's our free free agency mob is going to be revealed pretty soon, all those players. But um, I think, and in this time of year, the, the big talk around it, it's probably unfair, let's be honest. It's anyone who's on a telephone number contract. You know, you look at Taranto and Hopper at Richmond on seven-year deals on big money. Um, can Dusty Martin return to his best? Well, I think he's done enough in his career to do that. But, you know, Nat Fife, I, I got a first... Um, Front row seat into watching him play. He played full forward for the whole game for the Dockers against Port and totally ripped Port Adelaide apart, kicking three and could have done even more. So he looks rejuvenated off the back of um, giving up the captaincy to Fremantle. Um, but you look at Dangerfield being captain for a first time. Dawson for the Crows, captain for a first time. We saw uh, Brisbane named there. Dual skippers in um, the big fella in defence. Harris Andrews and uh, Lockie Neal will be captain. For me, that's not a big one, but I think the biggest bit is you, you play, your best players need to come to play. Now, is Dustin Martin going to come back to his best? Trent Cotchin's already being flagged as playing half forward. That's a totally different role. We, we know the Wolves will come out of you know, come out of the uh, the cave, so to speak, um, media-wise for the players who aren't performing. And it's all off the back of big money. And we don't need to look any further than Brody Grundy signs a bumper, what, seven-year, $7 million deal. Two years into that deal, 18, 18 months into that deal, whispers around that Collingwood want to move him. We see in the uh, off-season that he moves to Richmond. Colling- Collingwood's contributing money. It, it's all great free agency. It's all great, you know, holding clubs to ransom on big dough. But if you're not performing, we've seen the clubs take back a fair bit of that strength to go, you know what? If you're not performing, we can get someone else to do your job at about 30% of the cost. We'll shop you and use our, our cap space to put our money investing. And it's very much following that American model. Um, so I think there's some key players. You know, look, look, Carlton have got some big blokes on big money. You know, Kerno on huge money after being injured for so long. You look at Mackay's on big money, Cripps, Walsh, who's had some injury. You've got McGovern and Martin, soon to fall out of contract, really have underperformed. And the biggest one is Zach Williams. So they got on about 800 grand with the rumour from GWS, and he's not going to play footy. So huge issues there, and, and potentially also Carlton. There's a lot of people talking about cap space, particularly with young DeConing, who'll start in the ruck, is someone who's a 10-year footballer, and he's going to demand top dollar when he falls out of contract soon. So... Huge amount of pressure, and I think off the back of it, it's all about new roles, new captains, and then also players on huge money asking for top dollar. Well, you're paying for potential for De Koning because he hasn't really shown it yet, has he? And uh, he's got a there's a lot to like about him, and he's he's got that he looks to have that X factor, but he's a long way from you know ever ripping a game apart or anything like that at this stage. So, you know, if someone comes in and offers him big money, I think Carlton will find it hard to keep him. Yeah, but I think they'd have to make moves. You know, like you look at McGovern, and I like the way McGovern goes about his footy when he's on, but he's played about 50% of the games, and he hasn't been anywhere near the player he was at Adelaide, and he's never been consistent. Now, you look in the West, Jeremy McGovern, who's been a superstar, but he's on huge money. He's one of those $1 million to $1.2 million players and hasn't had the form or had injury concerns like his brother for that period of time. So as soon as you open the door to one not performing or two not being out there, Clubs are going to make tough calls, and that's where I think you don't lose to Koning. You know, I was a player that got paid on potential. Cripps got paid on potential. Look at Carlton. Walsh got paid not on potential. He's performing from day dot. But Kerno, he's as big a bloody played on potential as you've got because he hasn't played and he's been injured. So, yeah, we know he could play. They've paid him off the back of one really good season and albeit a five, six-year, seven-year deal. So what does that mean then for the Blues in 2023? Are guys going to be sweating bullets? Well, I think not now. I think but you've got to be um, realistic to say that if you are a McGovern or a Martin or you're someone who hasn't performed as well, that, um, or even a top dog, 
that's where I think you can, when you talk sweat and bullets, you've got to understand, you've got to embrace the pressure that comes with that. But you've got to, the only thing that changes that is your craft. And your craft is rehab well, prepare well, play well. You know? So if you're off the ground, do everything you can in your rehab to get back to ensure you can play footy. That's the one thing you control. That's the one thing the media can't take away from you is your preparation and performance. They can affect it from outside if you let it get to you. But fundamentally, it comes back to performance. You know, we saw Geelong for the vast majority of the last five, six years get close, not quite good enough. Oh, they're too old. Well, they didn't look too old last year in the last week in September. They all come to play. They all clicked. And, and we even saw it in the last 48 hours when, uh, well, the last, within the last period of time. And they, they took on Brisbane. Brisbane dominated Geelong. Geelong didn't have too many out there. But you sit there and go, well, what's in it for Geelong just right now? They just want preparation because they know the pointy time. They've got, you know, Bose have gone in. They've got a pick seven. They've got some talent. Arguably, they might be better than they were in the premiership year. So I think it comes back to controlling the controllables. And I think the, the more people that can not get absorbed by the free agency and media game, that is, you know, let's face it, that is as big as the game itself nowadays. If you just concentrate on your craft and perform well, then the rest takes care of itself. And, and that's my old manager many moons ago um, Jeff Motley ever said, he goes, the deal on the table is always the worst deal possible because it's legally bound and they've offered it to you. You accept that it, it's done. He goes, but it always get better. And good form never makes contracts go worse. Clubs find a way to keep you when you're really good. And yeah, you might stay for under market, but you'll still get the best possible situation. If you're not willing to move, you, you've got to work the best possible situation for yourself in that club. And, and that includes, like Geelong have seen, no one got paid more than Selwood. Right? Dangerfield come into that level. No one went above. They don't blow their salary cap. They get buy-in. And in, in state that, they get lifestyle too. They get a lot of time away from the club. I was talking to Josh Jenkins about this at one stage. And he said he just, they just get it. They get the football life, the, the home life, perfect. Whereas sometimes I think we can just get the more pressure gets on, the more coaches want to take control. I think Chris Scott's done the total opposite and he's been rewarded. McGovern's uh, want to play together too, uh, the talk is, uh, Treaders. Uh, where's that going to be? West Coast, Carlton or somewhere else? Well, it'll be a game footy club to take them both on. And and Jeremy's the star, don't get me wrong. He's an absolute phenomenal footballer. Bloke, his best probably mark I've seen as a defender, one-on-one. And not going, I'm trying to spoil you. I'm not trying to body you. I'm just going to back myself into Rita well and he's brilliant. But the thing that's cost him is he's on huge dough pre, pre-COVID uh, money, free agency money. I think it was... 1.2 a year for five years, it's, it's serious money, um, is that he, he's getting towards the end. He hasn't, he's probably only played about 55% of the games, 60% of the games. So his next contract, he'd know if he wants to stay at West Coast, I suggest he would because that's what you want to do. You're based in Perth. You set up a business in Perth. He might go to half of that and still be happy to sort of head off into retirement. Um, you know, I think his brother's challenge too is he's on, been on huge money at Adelaide. Then he left and went huge money at Carlton on a long-term deal and he, and he hasn't performed and he whilst he's a lot younger, has only had about a 50% um, playing rate anyway through injury and form. So they can talk all they want and it might actually happen, but if that's going to happen, you're going to have to take a serious pay cut um, to make it happen. We've talked a lot about players, but there's plenty happening with coaches as well. I mean, we've obviously got the racism investigation where Clarkson and Fagan are caught up in that. And, you know, we're obviously going to hear news on that fairly soon, I would have thought. I mean, how could that play out for them as coaches, do you think, guys? Yeah, well, this is a weird one for mine because there was a guy that the AFL got to do the review, prevented the review, and now he's prevented from speaking about the review. And uh, there are also some other allegations that have gone on with that one too. But uh, I just, 
not sure which way to play it. And I'm not chasing this story indirectly. I, I must admit, I did reach out to Clark Go and offer his support. Now, I've known him. He was assistant coach at Port Adelaide. Um, and I think the frustration from what I see is, and, and this is certainly nothing to do with my text message I sent him, but oh, the, the way I look at it and go, all right, they've been hung, drawn, quartered, rightly or wrongly, right? They haven't had a right of refusal. They've had to sit quiet. They've had to go through a process and plead their case, effectively an AFL court, whether you did something right or wrong. But they were hung, drawn, quartered before this even started. And I'm not to say they're innocent, but I'm certainly not going to say everyone deserves their their presumption of innocence in this. And I just look at it going from Clarko, it's almost like it's a bit of a bashing. But the thing that I found really interesting when Brisbane announced that Harris Andrews and Lockie Neal would be joint captains, they also at the bottom of their press release had that their coach signed a two-year contract extension. So I sit there and go, by all reports, unbelievable football person, Fagan, and I think he's done a pretty good job when he's taken over from Brisbane. They just haven't got to that next step. And the same could have been said for Geelong 12 months ago before they won the flag. But um, I sit there and go, well, they wouldn't be extending him by two years if they thought there was going to be something in this. That's just my gut take on this, gut feel on this. So... I think it'll be, if we believe the AFL wrapped up in a nice little bow and something will be made and it'll be shipped off into another era and we move on. But, geez, the story of Broke was like it was going to be the biggest story of all time and I'm certainly not trying to underplay it, but it's gone quiet. Nothing's happened and coaches are re-signing. It's like, and they're back at work normally. It's like the process has been interviewed. We just haven't revealed the findings yet. It's called crisis management. That's what it's called. Yeah, and that, and that's the way the AFL does it. They sort of like to bring everything in house, and you can understand it because they they're brand first. I get that, I get that. But it just feels if there is nothing to come of this, it looks like the the coaches have suffered a horrible toll on their intellectual property. Yeah, you know, you know, brand their brand. You know, you know, and mud sticks. You know, rightly or wrongly, it's. Yeah, and look at Fagan. Fagan, you talk to anyone, and I know numerous people that know him well. I don't know him at all, but. Numerous people that know him very well. He's, the, he's one of the best people who's worked so hard in all levels of football to climb the chain, to get into a position where he is now and to have some allegations thrown at him and you not be able to defend yourself in a public forum. It'd be nice and frustrating because now if you stand for integrity, ethics, all these things like I keep hearing, this process certainly doesn't match that. Well, another bloke who uh, has got a new club this year is Ross Lyon at St Kilda and uh, I mean he left Fremantle under some uh, duress I suppose didn't he at the time he was uh, punted mid-season and uh, um, he's back to where it uh, where it started for him where he got him to a couple of grand finals um, how do you see him uh, playing out Travis? Well he's inheriting a different St Kilda to what he had when he walked into the place after Grant Thomas years ago because there's not a that was a, a finals ready team that was playing finals and probably people deed to potentially be um, underachieved. But this is a team that in the off season before he was announced coach, they hadn't brought anyone in free agency. They missed out on numerous targets. People talked about oh they were shopping certain players like Bradley Hill end up at North Melbourne. That didn't happen. Um, and what I do know is they've got a young kid, Matthias Filippo, who can seriously play as one of their first round picks. He's a South Australian boy. Um, but they're going to have to go to what Ross Lyon people haven't seen him do is really build a kid and team and develop. You know, I know he did that, but he had the, you know, when he went to Fremantle and when he went to St Kilda, in, you know, they both had a key post guy in Pavlich and a guy called Revolt. And then you had a guy called Fife and Mundy 
and you, know, you had a guy called Lenny Hayes and Del Santo. So I think he's inheriting a rather inexperienced um, situation. And clearly, I'm not. I still think Brett Ratner is pretty harshly done by because how do you sign a guy on extension two years and then all of a sudden within six months' time you boot the guy and he gets a six-month payout and you bring in a guy that's previously been there? I think he'll improve their competitiveness and that's one thing St Kilda can be happy for because they brought in a coach who's just a ruthless competitor and wants, doesn't care if you win two goals to one. Um, he, he wants you to learn to play the defensive tough side of the footy. So whilst it's not going to be ugly, uh, pretty for St Kilda supporters, I think their team will be a lot more accountable and a lot more team discipline and it might hurt you the other other way, but I just think it's, it's going to have to teach them to walk before they can run. What about other coaches in the gun, Treaders? I mean, we've obviously got, you know, there's Kenny Hinckley, there's uh, Simpson at West Coast. How do you see some of the other coaching movements and potential happenings? Well, uh, I think Matty Nix is comfortable at Adelaide, but he's going to have to start getting more wins on board um, because re- reality, they've, they've, they've taken the pressure now off the, 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 the senior players. Like Sloan, let's be honest, the captaincy was removed from Sloan. They can say all they want, he wanted to step down, but... When he says in the media three weeks before they announced the captain, I want to stay on, I'm desperate to start as captain, next minute it happens. And I, I, I told you, boys, ages ago on this Big Deal podcast that the bloke being groomed for the role was Dawson and he was ahead of Duda. And then in the end, that's how big an influence he had. And th- this is no different. Normally it has to wait for the realisation that they're changing the way things go. Um, I think certainly Adelaide are starting to push their kids as opposed to their senior players. And, you know, people like Taylor Walker have already gone on record saying they won't play each week. I think that's a good sign for Adelaide because they've got to get games into Fogarty and Himmelberg and their forward line set up. Uh, West Coast, there's always pressure. They're the biggest team in the land in terms of making revenue and uh, really have a strong hold on that market over in Perth and are big supporters. But they too are, only a year and a half ago, had salary cap issues. They've then got senior players who are still on big money. They're then trying to play some kids, get into it. But one of the biggest ones is my old club, Ken Hinckley. Absolutely. Their poor performance in their preseason, I don't think, has been great. Uh, their intensity was sort of missing in those games. Yeah, good teams can flip the switch. But I think the biggest question is they start the season in a really interesting fashion. You, know, you, you start the year with Brisbane at home, who have topped up. We look at where they've gone. You know, they've, they've brought in Gunton. They've brought in um, Dunkley. I think their, their team might arguably better balanced. Um they play Port Adelaide, then play Collingwood at the MCG. They come home, they play a showdown, which this time last year, Port was four goals up in the first round and ended up losing it with five minutes to play. Uh, Sydney's thrown in there a trip to Sydney. Western Bulldogs at home. It's not an easy start. So in those first five rounds, are really going to dictate where Port Adelaide go. There's an element of the Port Adelaide faithful that they don't want Hinkley around. They're already start talking about it now. And I can understand because for a coach that's been there 10 years, and I think he's done a pretty good job building Port Adelaide from where they are. They didn't capitalise on those home finals when they had their chance. And they continue to talk a, a big game. Um, and, it, and it's interesting, uh, as a former player, and you know, recently I applied for the board and was effectively told, no, I'm not available to go for the position right now. But for me, who's an ex-player who wants to sit back and go, they've promised a lot. They've talked up a lot. They're talking about coming for you. And I get that. You want to be positive. You want to sell hope. But when you fall short consistently over that period, people then go, well, that's ridiculous. Like in the last few days, the Adelaide Footy Club's put out their membership saying they want to have 100,000 members, they want to win a flag and they want to win another AFLW flag. 
Well, Port Adelaide 12 months ago or 18 months ago said they want to win three flags in five years. Like, wow. Shit, mate, you haven't won one since 04. That's coming up 20 years next year. There's 18 clubs that want to win a flag in the next five years, aren't they? And only five of them can do it. Yeah, like I just think, you know, and I get you want to sell, but when you fall short in a club like Port Adelaide and the history they've had, and particularly the Sandful, um, and in that period from 2001 to 2004, where arguably probably won more games than most, but only won one premiership, your fans just go, this is bullshit. <laughs> so, well, in Ken Hinckley's defence, you know, um, I think that's part of why some of the Port Adelaide fan base, uh, they need to accept the fact that you can't, bully a competition like they bullied the SANFL for 100 years, you can't do that in the AFL. It just doesn't work that way. No, 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 I agree. And I think well, I'm a realist with that. But the, the other bit is I was always taught, and this is not this is not Ken, so I'm not whacking Ken on this. This is the club decision where they sign off and say three premierships in five years. You reckon the coach wants to say that? Well, that's just that's putting you on a pedestal to get shot. Like... Now, remember when Benny Gale said, I want to be debt-free, 100,000 members and win a flag in the next five years, and everyone's going, Richmond, you're a disgrace. They won three. So they overachieved. But that, that was game then. But to go three and five, it's just like, wow, we're forgetting how hard this competition actually bloody is. And then you look at Port, two home finals uh, only a couple of seasons ago. You know, kick Paul in the first half against Richmond. Richmond come to deliver and win by six points. Martin inspired win. They win the flag. But arguably, least effect one of the least affected top four teams in that year because they stayed at home in COVID and weren't locked down like Victorian teams. And then the next year, get a home final and don't show up for a quarter. That's the bit that has them under pressure. So, reality is, um, I'm not sure Ken stays on next year anyway, because I, I think, well, I hear whispers from people who've been close to the board or around the board who've said it's going to have to be a prelim final, the last four, for them to, to consider an extension. And when you look at it and you go, geez, that's pretty harsh. But reality is that whoever is the next coach needs to go the next journey. It's not like it's just a oh, one-year extension or two-year extension. It needs to be, you know, Butters, Rosie, Jason Horn, Francis need to be the senior leaders next time. You know, and then in this journey, if, it, if it's not Ken or if it's a new look, Jonas won't be captain and maybe tipped out in the next two years. Boke certainly probably goes. She's had a wonderful career. You know, Lysette's body's banged up, hitting about 30, where he's fallen out of contract. It's a big evolute. Dixon won't be there. Ollie Wines is almost 30, so you're needing others to come and support him. That's that this refresh. So reality says, oh, I think, and they know it. They've already talked about it. Ken Hinckley's, you know, it's, it's a game of wins and losses. And reality is when you've had the opportunities and you've talked up as a club how well you're going to go, people want to see you deliver because I look through the comments on social media and people go, how's three years and five, you know, how's three flag and five years going? How's your debt free going? How's your, we're going to smash other teams? We, like every quote you make, it comes back to haunt you. So that's the bit for me. It just come, needs to come down to don't talk about it, do it. Show us. So from that point of view, Traders, what do you make of Adelaide's play this week? We spoke about it a minute earlier, but what do you make of their, um, their play to, we want to win a flag in the next five years, 100,000 members and all that. I think 100,000 members is probably achievable, but a flag in the next five years looks a long way off from where they are right now. Yeah, and I think teams can bounce pretty quickly. Like, look at Collingwood, we're almost a chance. Geelong look like, mate, you need a refresh. Well, they won one. So you need all your ducks in line for that to happen. But if 
they're going to say five years from now, four, they'll have four years to have a look, potentially no slow, no walker. So those guys aren't involved in it. So if you're going to be that daring, your selection needs to match that. So you're only playing senior players. And I think Keys has been a great um, servant for them in this transition period. And he gets plenty of the footy and he has a crack. And he's one of those blokes you want to, you want to play with, you want to go to war with. But reality says that that role has to be a Rochelle or that role has to be a Miller if we can get fit. Or that role has to be, you know, Dawson needs to play in a different position rather than just a wing as a captain. He might need to be half back or he might need to play centre square. I think they need to evolve their list because they can't just keep relying on Laird. You know, I think what they also do is O'Brien, who signed a massive extension in terms of not huge, huge money, but he'd be on significant dough for about four or five years a few years ago. There's a really competitive ruckman. Now finds himself the discussion is, oh, well, is Philthorpe and Himmelberg a better option? Well, it needs to be a better option for Adelaide to be able to win that premiership. I think Adelaide got seduced like every team thinks, well, they're doing and promising their fans something. We need to promise your fancy. You don't need to do shit. Well, let's be honest. Why would you put yourself up for that? You know, and they're going to go, we're going to own this new facility. Well, oh, I still struggle with Adelaide leaving the old West Lakes. Why? Because they're going to go get a whole new facility and spend $60 million on land they don't own. It's council land. That's exactly what they've got at West Lakes. So I, I don't know. Call, call me a bit crazy with this sort of stuff, but I think they just need to keep progressing and winning. Um, you know, they're a financial club. They need to start improving on the field. And I think it's been a slow progression under Matty Hicks, but his time will come to be tested. It's like a Ken Hinckley is. You've developed this team wonderfully well. Now people's expectations go from being, oh, we want to win seven wins or be financial again, to hang on, how come we're finishing top four and we haven't won a flag? That comes very, very quickly. And that's why I was surprised Adelaide put a, you know, put a target on their, on their back. How much time has Nick's got? He's been, this is his fourth year coming up. Um, you know, I mean, he's clearly got another pass for this year, regardless of what happens. But how, 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 how much latitude does he have here? Well, I think he's got what he is. I think he's got two contracts, hasn't he? He's got two years to go. I'd have to check that. But I think it's questions will be, his biggest challenge will be, have I done enough to earn the extension? And, and take yourself back a bit of a history lesson. I said Clarkson came from the... He's good deal, 24. Bolted from the blue, you know what I mean, from, from left field. Everyone's talking Gary Ayres. We want him, after he left Adelaide, he's going to go to Hawthorne. Now, they went for Clarkson and Dunster was big on that. But after two years, he was no guarantee of surviving because he finished bottom and next is, you know... So that was the 2005 year, 2006 year. Then they extend him. 2007, he does elimination final dominance and, and beat Adelaide. Um, and Buddy Franklin kicks seven that day. And then all of a sudden, 2008, they've won the flag. So inside four years is amazing. So, but the test will always come in the next two years for Knicks. He took them over below zero. Now, if you thought the equator was normal, well, they were, they were in the South Pole. That's how bad Adelaide were, coming off the back of issues off the field, salary cap tight hadn't invested in the draft, they traded out a lot of their picks, have made horrendous list management decisions. So now he's got to a stage where he's got enough talent and they'll need to keep bashing in on that talent and developing that talent and exposing that talent to the top level. And then there's going to be a decision. Is this guy the guy to get us to go forward or do we need to bring an experienced coach? And that, that's his trembling moment and that's probably in 18 months' time, 12 to 18 months' time, where Adelaide uh, haven't been scared to sack coaches. You, know, you look what happened to Pike, look what happened to uh, Sanderson, so that's the challenge for Matty Nix is to show enough wins and enough improvement to keep the faith of the army. The other big one, uh, guys, is still the AFL top job, Gil McLaughlin. You know, it's supposed to be all wrapped up a long time ago. Now he's set the date, stepping down in April. 
what do you think's dragged this out? I mean, I know there's a number of issues, guys, but um, but how do you see it, Treaders? Well, I did get, take yourself back over it. What was it a year ago now? Crows women win the premiership in about March, and then all of a sudden, Gil McLaughlin stepped down. And his presser, he says. Someone asked, is it your decision? He goes, yeah, it's my decision. Oh, not not all my decision. And that pricked me ears up going, mm, has he been <laughs> tapped? So that says to me maybe people of the higher power have said, oh, well, he's done a good enough job. But my big bit here is what is there left for him to do? If we break it down, TV deal's done, right? The racism situation's still going on with the Clarkson investigation and the um, Fagan investigation, and we touched on that before. They're talking about a new CBA. We're talking about Tasmanian footy. Like, what's left going to be doing for the new CEO? Just go to lunch and shake hands? Because it looks like he's trying to get everything done. But I suspect that the, the Tassie stuff um, and the Hawthorne stuff is holding up a bit. So that's why he's almost got to gather round in Adelaide. We know that that's the, the extra round. We call it round 23, but it's played in April. Um, so it's the extra game for TV, and we talked about it on this show and – um, that you know, the broadcasters actually had to pay more on their broadcasting rights um, to broadcast that match. But I suspect that, and there's enough around and a few birdies who ring into the big deal with a bit of information from time to time to say that the, uh, the Hawth- Hawth- Hawthorne uh, racism issue and particularly the Tasmanian issue are the two things that are holding it up because, let's be honest, I think they want him to go out on a real, a real high and if you could sort out one that big issue in terms of the Hawthorne racism stuff. And then if you could grant Tasmania a licence, when it sounds like all the clubs are all in agreement and the government, the AFL's coughed up money for the first time in a long time, was it 300 million over 10 years to make a Tassie team stick, I think they're the two things that are blatantly obvious for me to suggest that that's, that's what's going on. But I did speak to a former Tasmanian person who was in a pretty high power, powerful position on the weekend. It's now back in Adelaide. Um, and they flagged to me whether Hobart's the right fit. And I said, why is that? He goes, well, I lived there for 15 years. All the footy, and they would know the numbers, so I'm only going on this conversation I had. All the footy brought um, interest, participation, is in the north. So they were suggesting that Launceston would be a better fit. Understandably, it's not a, you know, it's not the capital, so, and it is a smaller thing, but you look at all the northern areas is where all the big participation in the AFL is, and it's a real divide. So it's going to have to be one wonderful sell job, particularly the other thing I asked is, do you think all the home games playing at Hobart's going to work? They said, no way in the world. No one from law, you know, I don't know Tassie super well, but I know I've been to Launceston and some of the associated areas are going to travel two hours south to go and watch the footy because... Generally, that's what happens in Tassie. So, and Hawthorne's footprint up there is absolutely huge because they've been there and they've been so successful. So, all these people are growing up Hawthorne supporters and get the same three or four times a year. I totally agree with what you're saying, Treaders. But you know, the AFL have made it that way. They have played footy almost exclusively in Launceston yeah. in Tasmania for the last twenty years and absolutely neglected Hobart. It makes perfect sense that that's where all the footy fans are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and you also look at it. I remember my first time there. I reckon it was two thousand one. We played. St Kilda there because St Kilda was the major tenant there and then Hawthorne was doing some stuff as well but in the Saints bowed out and said oh this is not for us we want to play some games more games at the, um, the Dome what do we call it now Marvel uh, the AFL's Oval 
Hawthorne stuck that. They play a pre-season game. They also play, I think, three or four minor uh, major, minor round games, uh, fixture games. And they're, they're, yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is when you play in what would they play? Won four and lost two. So they played about five or six grand finals in that period of time. Then every kid, you know it's like, every kid, even if you're a Carlton diehard or a Port Adelaide diehard or whoever, you're going to watch an interstate club play the Hawks. And the Hawks are winning flags. And what are kids like? They like putting the colours on the winner. No one, not many people sign up to a loser, do they? They've always had some influence. It's something in their chromosome goes, bang, I love that colour. I love that team. And, and I think, I understand why they're trying to build this new stadium and a multi-stadium like we see in Perth or we see in Adelaide or we see at um, Marvel. Uh, and even we're seeing down in Geelong with Cadinia Park being uh, refurbished. The facts of the matter are Hobart is where all the people are, but the interest of footy is elsewhere. And I, it just has to be a wonderful sell job. And I just don't think you can roll out 11 home games um, in Hobart. It's going to have to be a 50-50 split, but that's not going to balance the book. Might be 50-50. No, I know, but that, that's the thing. Will it have to be three? But the, the government's saying, hey, we want something to balance the books, and we're going to need all home games played there. What about uh, betting, Treaders? I know this one's very close to your heart. You've made some uh, big uh, comments over the recent journey about... Uh... AFL and other sporting organisations tying uh, big sponsorship deals with sporting agencies. We've seen some players uh, in recent times say, no, I'm not going to align myself with uh, the AFL's deal with Sportsbet. Good. What are your thoughts? You'd be pretty supportive of that, wouldn't you? Oh, good on them. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't. I have a bet every now and then. Like, my biggest issue is I don't think it's got its place. We talk about integrity of sport. I don't think it's got its place betting live at games in, in the middle of a game. If you want to keep the integrity, keep it outside outside the window of, you know, 10 minutes to go before the siren. And so, because otherwise, as soon as you've got live betting, you open yourself up to match fixing. We've seen it with cricket. We've seen it with other sports all over the world. But they don't tend to be listening to me. But oh, I love the fact that I think I saw Ben Brown was one of those guys, Melbourne Premiership mm. player, former kangaroo. Uh, I love the fact that he stands. And if it means if he wants to drop a little bit of money, it's not going to get to that. But if he offered to say, hey, I'll drop 3% of my salary because of that money, well, Cool. Oh, I think I think as soon as we're in a situation where we're not relying on betting, you know, I'd love this is not going to happen in my lifetime, but I'd love to be an instance where we grew up with footy with no sponsors on jumpers because I think it compromises sport. You know, and and also you look at the AFL too. With um, there was a wonderful article written in the Herald Sun uh, recently uh, um, from Rita who talked about how the AFL is now going to get involved in this voice discussion. I'd love to keep politics out of sport. I just don't think it has a place. I know. When we're talking about Tasmania and one influence, how we're going to do that? Well, we need government money to do that. But I don't think we need to be having people talk about something we have no idea about. And and, and let's be honest, and, and it gets to a, an, an nth degree. And then there's sports washing. And then there's a lot of areas to try and get into sport to marinate the public. I'd love for sports to just go, no, let's stay out of it. And I know it goes back 25 years, but maybe just membership money would be wonderful and we don't need to have multinational companies controlling the narrative and the thinking of people, but that's probably a bigger discussion for later. Mate, we are called the big deal and and you're yeah. talking about no sponsors on jumpers. Come on, traders, that's blasphemy. Oh, no, but I'm just, I'm just saying, remember when it was just less simple and less in your face? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... And we all remember that. We're old enough. Monty, you're a bit younger. Dion, you're a hell of a lot older, even though I look older. Um, but I remember black and white uh, TV, mate. Yeah. But imagine that situation where we're not sitting there talking about Albo's The Voice and the AFL's getting behind it. Like, let 
people go to the foot, and this is my mum bit. I don't get political in any of this stuff. I'm just, but footy's a respite from our life, right? Some people can have some pretty tough lives, but they get to go to the footy and support their footy club. You know, we don't ask for much, if you know what I mean, and you'd love just for it to be just about the contest and just about the team, but when it just keeps on ramming different issues around your throat, it's just like, ugh, ugh. And now, you know, they can't even sell their own idea to their own party, let alone now trying to push onto the AFL footy fans. It's almost like, hey, here's, it's almost you know, like a big business sponsoring a club to get access to their membership base to sell them some cars. This is another version, but the, the governments are using it by their own political parties. Well, on the like back onto the um, sports bet stuff, the, the opt-out is interesting. And we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but there is the potential we could see a lot more of that. And, you know, we applaud the betting thing. I mean, I think we're all in agreement that it's there's too much, but realistically we could and we'll likely see more players opt out of league and club-based deals, creating a whole extra layer of complexity where they're probably just – it could even get to the point where um, some of these organisations just won't – sponsoring a league or a club isn't going to deliver the commercial value that it should or that they would need to justify those big dollars – when the stars start pulling out based on their personal convictions. Yeah, well, look at Pat Cummins. Pat Cummins effectively, in a way, went against one of the major sponsors of Cricket Australia and Origin Energy because they're not green enough. Um, and I don't know, he's, clearly that's his thought. I'm not sure how much, I know for me, I don't look into that too much, but I did read something the other day that suggests that to make an electric vehicle, it's 40 times the use of carbon to actually make that. I was like, oh, really? I don't know. Like... I don't think this is where I think professional sports people can have their opinions on certain issues, but you'd want to be pretty well researched because, uh, as we talked about with the Australian Open, Azarenka was asked about um, the war in Russia, I think it was, and she was actually really smart. She goes, You know, no matter which way I look at this, it's going to be turned around. She says, Well, I don't know enough, and if I do, it's a personal opinion, and it's not really something I want to talk about. I just want to talk about how well I played, and I love that because we're, she's just doing what she's doing, and she's a qualified tennis player. Yeah, you, know, you ask anyone on the street walking down Rundle Mall or Burke Street or you know, anywhere around uh, Hay Street in Perth, you go, I don't think people really discuss it or get into the depths of it of, of, of some people. They rely on the media to give them their informed view. So um, you know, I just love the case of just let sport be sport and the, the least politics, the least big business, the least in, in you know treading into the game and, and, and compromising the game to a certain extent. When I mean compromise, not not tampering with it, but just let it – be its simple self. Like we still can't get holding the ball rule right. So let's concentrate on those things as opposed to pushing certain agendas. And I mean, as we wrap up our uh, our AFL introduction 2023 chat, I mean, the other thing as well um, that's big on the agenda for the AFL is the CBA. I mean, there's talk that, you know, bringing it together with the AFLW. I mean, Treaders, what does that look like at the moment? Well, this is the, the, the interesting bit because... It is, fo- is a- it is football, right? So AFL and Aussie rules is AFL men's and AFL women's. And for me, it's a situation of how much the game's revenue has grown. Um, the men get the vast majority because their game brings in the vast majority of revenue in full credit to, I think, in my time, and I've been out for over 10 years, is any, whether it's, you understand your role into playing into junior development, growing the game, giving back to the game, promoting the game, um, promoting the game via its broadcasters, and now 
obviously since I haven't been in the women's competition, what was its eighth year, um, is that that started off the back of the AFL's revenue because it wasn't creating anything. And now it's created a niche where it's making some really good revenue and speak to the clubs. They got revenue through the door that they might not have normally got. But I think the men have played a wonderful support position in that. Um, but at the end of the day, with all of these things, is they've, they've got to make a decision. And I'm not close enough to say it, but they've got to make a decision. Go, do we negotiate as a whole? Or do we negotiate from the men pretty much doing their own deal but via the play association, but also doing a support network um, to cover up the shortfalls? Because the, the women's league is, what, 10 rounds of football. Um, we've finally gone to a full competition I think it's two weeks of finals or three weeks of finals, whereas the men's competition's got 23 rounds and you've got four or five weeks of the finals. So, um, And the TV revenues, the crowd difference and all that. So I think at the end of the day, it's all about how much money the game can grow. But I also think it's really important that the men's competition supports the women's competition um, to grow you know, feet playing the game because still the biggest participation is soccer. And that is the biggest threat. And the only thing that probably helps AFL with that or Aussie rules with that is you can't watch the best players play each week in Australia. You see the A-League, which is a really good competition. I love watching it, but I'm an English Premier League fan. That's the biggest league in the world. Now, when Harry Kew and Mark Viduka in the golden years and even the current soccer is the recent World Cup, they don't play in Australia every weekend. So that's the advantage the AFL's got, and they can't ignore that advantage. Um, but I think to grow the game as a whole, you have to grow both competitions. But you've also got to understand that it's also got to add up financially. And right now, the women's league, doesn't pull in 6 million members and it doesn't call in well, 6 million fans or whatever the numbers are. So it needs to be this, this happy medium to support and grow the game as a first and foremost. All right. Uh, we've just about uh, reached full time here uh, on the big deal and now checking out the uh, new season in the AFL 2023. Let's go around the table for some uh, premiership fancies or grand final tips. I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to open the batting here. I'm going to go Brisbane to win the flag, to beat Richmond, I reckon. Uh, what do you reckon, lads? Brisbane, I've gone I've gone three. And I don't know, that doesn't help me. But Brisbane is one. You've gone Brisbane. Then there's Melbourne and Geelong. We've got three in the grand final this year, have we? Yeah, well, I reckon the Cats go. I'm on Brisbane. I reckon the Cats win it again. I think they've actually made their list better. I think they have too. Yeah, so I'm going the Cats. I'm going the safe option. But I circle Brisbane and think, well, they've done the off-season. It's brilliant. Um now it's up to them. They, they get themselves in the final four. It's just whether they can get a little monkey off the bat. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Brisbane. But Traders, tell us who's the best player now and who's going to be the best player in four years' time? Shit, that's hard. Come on, mate. Have time. you given them any warning on this or what? Well, I kind of ta- I tailored our last question. I hope Jason Horn France is the best player in the comp because that'll give people a break. Girls, that media are bashing him. Give the kid a break. It's his second year of football. Give us a spell. But I think Tom Lynch is the best player in the AFL. He's not going to win the Brownlow this year, though. Doesn't matter. That's not the best player. That's just the best. That's just the umpire's midfield favourite. All right. Who's the umpire's midfield favourite then? Jeez, I reckon. Bailey Smith, Western Bulldogs. Yeah, it's him. Connor Rosie's in that discussion. You always got to have a breakout year, but I hope Bailey Smith is a jet. He's a jet. Um, the only problem with the Bulldogs is we've got about six of them who can take votes off him. True. Dacos boys. Is, Not Josh Dunkley anymore. No. Nah, and the Dacos boys are special. They're in that discussion, particularly the youngest one. Um, Possibly a bit early for him, but yeah. I reckon he might get a tag a bit more often this year too. Four years' time though, Dion. Oh, yeah. Four years' time oh, is yeah. scary. 
Totally. All right, boys, another great chat. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Deal. Uh, We'll be following the business of the AFL very closely this season, as always, as well as all the other major sports at home and overseas. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't already and join us at thebigdeal.au. Bye for now. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.